time with me for a spell. Back to when the wild things, they were not for sale. And what was sacred had not yet been forgotten before our minds became clouded and filled with rocks. There was one, at least one in each and every clan. Hi everybody, I am Lady Stars and Fire and you're listening to Otherland Dreams. I would tell you I'm here with Hill Hippie, but right as soon as the show started, he walked out of the room and I don't know what he's doing. So at the moment, I'm waiting for him to come back. We're going to be talking about uh, the winter solstice, Yule, and... The midwinter celebration. Yes, along with the fact I want to talk about... What do I want to talk about? The wild hunt. The Wild Hunt. Mm-hmm. But I want to get into that after we get into more of the other stuff. Just, See, I knew I, a guy in elementary through junior high whose last name was Hunt. And he was pretty wild. I'm assuming you're not talking about him? No, I'm not talking about him. Uh, okay, I just wanted to make sure because I, I can't speak too much about the guy anymore. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, really, Spirit? Oh, we're starting on... I'm not allowed to go there yet. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Spirit's jumping in and giving me information. But uh, uh, we're not going there yet, Spirit. Anyway. We got a structure. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to wait. Um, Anyway, so we were going to be talking about, you know, the winter solstice and Yule. What? Blue screen of death. You're what? Technical difficulties. Oh, okay. Hold up one second. You Uh, can continue. It's on my end. I know. I had an... I had an itch. <laughs> I couldn't get to my ear because of the uh, earphones, so I had to move it and fix it for a minute. But I wanted to talk about, uh, more or less, I'm not overly feeling the Christmas spirit this year. I'm I'm feeling more of everybody else's frustration, and it's driving me nuts. So I was trying to get into the Christmas spirit by doing the show. So it's like a steering wheel in a pirate's pants? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Oh, come on. It's, it's like one of the oldest bad jokes out there. I was like, what? It's just the way you threw that out there. I was like, what? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a very old dad uh, pirate joke. A pirate walks into the bar. He's got a steering wheel sticking out of his pants. Do you realize you have a steering wheel sticking out of your pants? Or it's driving me nuts. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little just... I I thought that was funny. (laughs) I like little annoying, pathetic, stupid little things. Like I said, it's a dead joke. (laughs) All right. Anyway, um, so like like I said, I mean, I'm really just having an issue with the Christmas spirit. I was feeling it. I'm always feeling the Christmas spirit when it's like Halloween time. And by the time it gets here, I'm exhausted. Don't look at me like that. I can't help it. I get that cheerful, happy, excited, feeling better about things going on like Christmassy. And then by the time Christmas gets here, I'm like, because I'm exhausted from all the work that I have to do prior to getting to it. Uh Fair enough. That's just sorry. But that's just me. I I got a lot going on in my life. (laughs) What? Styrofoam. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know where it moved to. Anyway, um, so the winter solstice. Basically, the winter solstice is known as midwinter. It is an astronomical phenomenon marking the day with the shortest period of daylight or the long uh, uh, and the longest night of the year. It occurs once. It occurs when. It occurs when the Earth's poles are at its maximum tilt away from the sun. It happens Pole, twice a year. The North Pole, Pole. specifically, not poles. Because Actually, the, I was reading what it said. It said poles. Just because they're inaccurate doesn't mean we have to be. Okay, well, I was reading what they said. Use your own voice. Don't care. This is a forum for being yourself. <laughs> It's when the North Pole here in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're listening in the summer, uh, Southern Hemisphere, hello, thank you for joining us all the way down there, and I don't speak Spanish. How are you guys understanding me? Good job. <laughs> anyway, if you're, this information is pertinent only if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's, right. Uh, what is it? I 
think it's 28.5 degrees that the North Pole is tilted away from the sun when it's uh, the sun is directly over the Tropic of Capricorn. I really do not know that. I do. I should know that as doing astrology, but you I would, don't. You would think so. Yeah, I know. I, I, I've been getting yelled at by spirit a lot lately for what I don't know. I'm a sun worshiper. I like the sun. What can I say? Yeah, I'm getting yelled at for stuff that I don't know as far as constellations and shit. Anyway, um, so more or less, the original date for the uh, solstice, for the winter solstice, is usually considered the 21st. However, from time to time, it's the 20th or the 22nd, and that's in the Northern Hemisphere. And that is because the Gregorian cal- calendar that we use is not entirely accurate. It's why we have the leap years. It's 365 and a quarter days. That's why it can migrate backwards and forwards, because we have to throw that extra day in there to account for the fact that our calendar is not 100% uh, accurate to the movement of the Earth around the sun. Right. And if you're in the southern hemisphere, this is June, and you're going into Lita, I believe. Anyway, um, it is also viewed as midwinter, Yule, and the longest night, or is that even... Joel? How how would you say that? Yol. Yol. It's because been, of the J. I'm yeah, always thrown off. Yeah, it's the way it's pronunciation in the uh, Scandinavian Germanic uh, tradition. It's the J or sometimes even the Y has that Y sound to it. It's like the fantasy world that I create stories in is per, uh, spelled J E R A, but it's Yura. Cool. I didn't. Know. It's based I, on I, it's like, based on one of the North runes. You should know that. <laughs> The rune of harvest. Yeah, but see, I mean, in other languages, like Juan is spelled with the J. Right. And so um, when I when I come across words like that, I'm like, oh, it oh. sorry, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the winter solstice is a celebration in the northern hemisphere, um, celebrating, or or like I said, if you are in the southern hemisphere, it is Letha. Letha. Do I pronounce them right? I'm sorry. Letha, L-I-T-H-A, Letha or Letha. Let me see the word. I'm really bad about the different gods, people. Who be mad, don't be mad at me, but, you know, With, I don't mean I can pronounce them without right. Without reference to knowing what uh, culture it came from or language specifically it's being used, uh, Letha, Letha, Either one, <laughs> it, it could be either one. I would well, have I'm to just know. saying because I know there are certain people out there who, you know, would reference it as one of the gods, and so to speak. And I don't want to be, you know, insulting them and their 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 thoughts and their feelings right. on this. I'm just being honest, man. I I, I don't pronounce stuff well, <laughs> so that's that. Um. Anyway, it is like I said. Hold up. I. I Went on. It is considered typically was originally considered a pagan uh, celebration at winter solstice, which is also Yule. It is one of the oldest celebrations and it of the ancient people. And try to understand that the ancient people were hunters, so they spent most of their time outside. So the celebrations obviously were taking place outside. Mm-hmm. Um. Hold on one second. Celebrating the winter solstice has been um, celebrated through the cultures for thousands of years. It is also the mark of the solar year of, it's the start of the solar year for the celebration and the light lighting of the rebirth of the sun. It came from, its idea basically spawned out of Europe, but mm-hmm. it was also considered a Norse uh, mythology, but it went through, I mean, it went through as far as... um, No, the Norse people are part of Europe. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it spread as far as, I believe, the idea, like, spread as far as, like, Shiva for Hindu. Okay. So it it wasn't just the Norse people. It spread all over Europe. Right. Well, well, they had their own names and traditions involved. Mm Mm-hmm. But the, let's face it, every place on the planet, and we're going to limit this here to the northern hemisphere because that's what we know, every place in the northern hemisphere is going to see that receding and return of the sun and represent have their own representation of what that means in their own gods and goddesses and traditions and how they celebrate and how they view it. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, exactly. I mean, 
Because, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. I was. I'll shut right on up. Go ahead. Representing some of the Norse and Celtic mythologies, Yule is one of the eight annual Sabbaths of the uh, Wheel of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, it is believed that at Samhain, the aging god has died. And at Yule, or midwinter celebration, that the go- uh, this god is reborn through the goddess. And he is uh, named the new sun king, or the oak king, or the son of uh, the son of the god. And he is the giver of life, and through him the goddess is, becomes the great mother again. She bears the fruit of the seeds that she has bore in her womb, the earth itself, throughout the winter and autumn, thus representing this, uh, what she is born through her in her womb or the soil in, uh, through the winter and autumn into the spring. And that is another representation of the rebirth. Like you said, traditionally it's represented, uh, celebrated on the 21st. I'm sorry, 21st, and it uh, represents wisdom, strength, and sacredness of the body where we honor life, rebirth, and renewal. It's the festival of the sun and of light where in many traditions, both Germanic and Norse or Norwegian, on the celebration of the solstice itself, the 21st or Yule, at about midnight's time, all lights in the homes were extinguished. That way you can meditate and think upon the coming year in complete darkness, in connection with your uh, your soul and spirit. I'm sorry, I'm just grinning over here, but I, I'm grinning on a whole on a whole personal level because basically you just gave me validation of some shit that's been going on with me with spirit, so that I wasn't connecting properly and hearing it coming out of your mouth made it completely connect. So I just got some validation and just a little bit of not a slap down at all, but it was exactly what I needed to hear apparently. Um. So I'm sorry, I, I'm a little giggly for my own self at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But um, it was also considered Quarters Day, the Wheel of the Year festival, uh, the Winter Festival. Christmas also had its tie in with it. Um, but I gotta go back a page to get to there. Um, it's modern times within Christmas. All over the world is celebrated still. Obviously, people are celebrate Christmas itself on the 25th, but they do still claim, especially Norris, uh, not Norris, uh, that it was stolen from pagan, but it has to do with Jesus Christ's birth. Yes, uh, and there's if you want to go into that aspect of it, there's many different... Uh, you can go on forever. Yeah, the representation of Attis is another uh, one example of it. Uh, who was the belief in the god Attis existed before, <clears throat> excuse me, Christianity, and their the birth of the god Attis, which was also born at the same time, reborn at the same time every year, just like the winter solstice and Yule, but instead of being a representation more of the sun god or. It's very similar, but slightly different. I mean, there's so many different ways you could take it. Now, traditionally, with Christianity and the choice of the 25th, the reason why the 25th was chosen, well, based on the words of the Bible, is most scholars believe that Jesus was actually probably been born in the spring, based on where the shepherds were at that point in time of, during the stories. But the reason why the 25th was chosen was you have the winter solstice on the 21st. On the 25th is the first notable day that has become longer without actual atomic clocks in our modern technology. So to the ancient people, the 25th would have been the first day where you actually see the uh, the daylight hours getting longer again. So the light was been reborn into the world. Jesus has been born, or Jesuus as he was actually pronounced in the original Aramaic that was spoken in that land at those times. No, I completely agree. I was just looking at because what what I had, I wasn't going that deep into it. They just had left it at the fact that it was being adopted onto the calendars at that time. Right. And I was just giving a little, I didn't even think I was going that deep. I was just giving a little touch. No, no, no. I was going by the junk I have in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Point blank, leaving it at that. Um, Because, uh, yeah, it it was adopted at that time. And it did have to do also with the phases of the moon, such as like Easter does. So that has to do with also the way they claimed that they placed it within the calendar years, so to speak. Um, where was I? Uh, well, there you go into the whole concept of Advent, and that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Because Advent, if I remember correctly, is the 
the uh, traditionally starts at the first Sunday closest to the 30th of November, where that was recent, uh, quasi-relatively re- is the be- uh, the proper term here, relatively, relatively recently been changed by the uh, mass producers of Advent calendars to start at the 1st of December because it was easier for them just to make that, that one date. That way they could uh, resell old stock from the previous year instead of have to recreate new Advent calendars every year. I gotcha. No, I was trying to pull up the other information I had because I had it in a text to myself because I couldn't download it for whatever reason. Um, But they also said, let me get to where I was trying to get to. Um, Yul, Joel, however you pronounce it. Yul, (laughs) Yul. Was the name that was given at the winter solstice. See, this is what I was trying to get at. That last paragraph. There's another word there. It's longer than that is where they are getting it from. Yule was the name of the time between the winter solstice and... uh, (laughs) I love the Norwegian language. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. That's part of why I was giving you the look of it. I don't freaking know. (laughs) Yule bloat. Based on my understanding of the inflections Sorry, that are applied to that. Sorry, we're butchering the language. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, make it clear to everyone. When I say words clearly and properly, it's because I've researched them. I am not phonetically uh, proficient in any way, shape, or form. My native language is West Virginian Hick. <laughs> English is my second language. I pick up little hints and pieces of other cultures languages just enough for me to be able to get by <laughs> but typically when i use a, a language properly it's because i've studied the words that i'm going to use it took me probably a good year year and a half in order to learn the proper way to pronounce Samhain. well that's just like we were talking that one time when we were talking about how how like like I rate myself okay I'm dyslexic first off so I have a problem with just reading in general and then when I try to pronounce words that I don't understand uh, my dyslexicness is going to teach me uh, it's it's not even going to teach me anything I look at it and it doesn't sound right to me so like I will write words incorrectly that only I know what they mean because I know when I look at it what it's telling me it is so I do that on purpose for myself because that's how I learn how to pronounce it right when I'm talking, like on the show or something, or when I do the videos. Well, if we wanted to produce a show on grammar, that's a whole different ballgame. But every language has its own little nuances and silent letters and strange little things that go on with it. But anyway, let's move forward. Okay. Um, Mentioning that um, the festivals were held outside, uh, traditionally bonfires were uh, lit and crops were wassled. What's wassled? Wassled is where they were celebrated with toast of spiced cider to encourage the nature spirits to come and join in the celebration in hopes that they would entice them to produce a good harvest in the coming year, which transformed into the modern, well, I'm not even sure if modern is the proper word, but within the last 200 years term of wassling, where you would go around caroling to your friends and neighbors and you would carry your wassail cup. In hopes of getting some spiced cider from your neighbors and sometimes gifts of uh, sweet breads or cookies. It was a way of showing homage and celebration. It sounds like it would have grown, though, from Samhain. You would think so, but most of the old school celebrations, especially in your nature-based faiths and religions. I mean, I can see it carrying on. Right. Let's face it. uh, Most of them have bonfires. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically at, uh, like, uh, Samhain and Yule, giving up a little bit of those crops. You know, giving them up in the spring and at in the summer. Okay, the, you've got plenty. That sacrifice doesn't mean as much to their yeah. spirits or the elementals or the gods. At, when times are hard, like at, at Samhain... You're going into a period where you're not going to be able to grow anything for a while. Your even your winter gardens aren't going to produce that much. Yeah, like and now specifically at Yule, you, you your gardens are done. You're, yeah, there is nothing. You what you've got staved up is what you've got. So that sacrifice means that much more. Okay, I can comprehend that. 
Okay. Well, with that being said, the next thing I was going to get into was the fact that typically it's a three-day event is what they would originally have. However, that would not necessarily end up always being a three-day event. Sometimes it was more like a three-week event because of the fact of the Yule sacrifice would take place on the 12th of January. And with that being said, it would sometimes just prolong it even further because the it, um the solstice was basically looked at as it could last up to the 12th and then f up to until the 12th for the next year for any heatherans that there were now Heathens. yeah i can't get that right my mouth ain't working hold on and uh, i'm not a real big fan of that word well, I was just taking it from what I had. But well, the next thing that I had, I found kind of interesting. Because they were saying, Joel or Yol, however you pronounce it, also referred to, Yol. to drink. To drink. It was, it was referred to, to drink. This is part of why it would turn into such big, lasting banquets and feastings and games and songs and the sacrifice would go on you know the partying would go on basically as a privilege to the god but they would spend a lot of the time being drunk yeah they were the the norwegian the scandinavian germanic peoples that's what they did mm -hmm. so i mean it would just rock on. it would just yeah why not what i mean hey and that's impressive they can keep it drunk on for 12 days yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, even more than 12 days. If it ended on January 12th. It was 12th. until January 12th. So, yeah, you're looking at three weeks. That's impressive. Your livers must be humongous. Well, they, I mean, I remember hearing stories of just drunken people everywhere just sleeping wherever they've passed out and start, and, and so forth. I mean, We're talking about Yule, not the parties you've been to. No, I'm talking about back in that time before it was so-called converted over to just like Christmas Day and stuff and it slowly started to fade away that it was like just such long events of partying and festing. Festing. <clears throat> Got my own language, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> But, Festivities is the word you were groping yeah, for there. That was with my, like, I cannot talk lately. I'm just having issues. But um, with that being said, they also thought that Yule scholars have put the wild hunt to the idea of Yule, the Yuletide, the Yuletide chill. Odin's hunt? Mm hmm. Interesting. Is Odin Santa? And there's a part of it it could have been spread from him in a very sick, twisted, funky-ass way, but hey. Hey. As far May, as... Is, he's Santa and as Krampus. As far as flying in the sky. Santa and Krampus. <laughs> because what was his chariot pulled by? Whose? Odin's. Yeah, but according to the wild hunt, he was on a horse. Yes, but mostly what was his chariot pulled by? What was it pulled by? Goats. I mean, you know what, Spirit? You're just fucking funny, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having some issues with my runes, apparently, lately, and, and apparently the Norse gods are not happy with me. Anyway, so I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um... Like I said, I, 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 some stuff that I can't get into is my own personal funky junk. But I'm um, sorry. Anyway, um, the wild hunt was thought to be, if if you saw it with your own eyes, it was thought to be a catastrophic event. It was thought to bring on the plague, or you know, that it would be the death would be an idea that would be coming on, like you're bringing on your own death. It's not something that you wanted to witness, right. so to speak. It, it was the idea that you could be abducted into the underworld or even into the fairy kingdom if you actually were outside during the event of the Wild Hunt or when the days were of the Yuletide when they did the Wild Hunt. Right, which is one of the reasons why the tradition was that at night they would turn off all the, or blow out all the candles, Back then, not flip the lights, which is like we have now, but turn off all the lights and be in meditation while Odin was on the hunt. Right, exactly, because the idea was not to, you know, be part of that and let them do what they do. Um, it was thought that the Norse god, which was Odin, the, the highest or wellest known, the father of them, 
the All Father. Yeah, was was known to be the one who was leading it. However, depending on where you were, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, it was even said that Shiva was supposed to be riding the bull. So depending on where you were, I, I think I came across some stories where they even thought like King Arthur was leading it. I mean, it just depends on where you were and what what you were viewing. But the idea that comes the longest is Shiva. Yeah, I've always said Shiva. 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 Uh-huh. Mm, fine, don't take my help. <laughs> I've only been right about every other thing else I've said tonight. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. <laughs> now, I, well, like I said, I, I pronounced a lot of them wrong. I'm sorry. I'm here to help. You do help. You do help, and I'm thankful for it. I just don't like being wrong. <laughs> uh, so so I'm thankful with, with, with my nose up in the air because I don't like being wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, at least I can admit it. Right. It's not necessarily always a good thing, but I can't. But um it was thought that obviously, um, depending on where you were in the world, that whoever you viewed as your, you know, like the All Father or the King or whatever was the one who was leading it. Right, your primary deity. But overall, the idea was always looked back at as Odin, and it was brought to you the fact that um, it was it, it, the hunt was being led by ghosts, by fairies, by by uh, the Valkyries, whoever he brought with him, mm-hmm. basically, and. The idea was to just get the hell out of the way. Right, which is where the idea of the gifts came from because it was believed that Odin would leave gifts for those who stayed inside and out of the way during the Great Hunt. And the idea of the stockings also came from him there mm-hmm. because he left he left stuff in the stockings as but well as food too. That's where the gifts would be placed. Mm-hmm. So it was things along that line. I'm trying to figure out where I was. But yeah, you locked your doors, you stayed inside, you didn't want to take risks of being part of that catastrophic event, and you stayed in. The thing is, they also got the idea of, not necessarily Santa, but it kind of branched over because of the hellhounds and the hoofs of the horses and everything else that was supposed to come across the roofs the rooftops and whatnot as the hunt was happening more or less has led to the idea of where you get the idea of Santa flying in the sky. That and uh, the Amanita mascara mushroom. Yeah. Did you tell them your story on that? They may not know that. Uh, we're running a little short on time for that. We'll, we'll hit it next week because I, I, I feel that this next week's going to be in Pretty much the same direction that we are this week. Well, no, it will, but it won't because I'm going to be going over more rituals next week, most likely. All right, fine. Because <clears throat> this was, I was leaving it with that. So go ahead and go into that so I can figure out if I really want to go into any more of this. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So <laughs> in the northern uh, parts of the northern hemisphere, there is a type of mushroom that grows known as by its taxonomical name as Amanita muscara, by its common name as the fly muscaric. It is a Amanita family mushroom, which most of the Amanita family is either deadly poisonous or you're going to regret you eat it. This particular one is either bright blazing red in color or a pale orange in color, with white wardish style, uh, type dots on the top. Uh, I will spare you the the entomology of how and why all that is, but the Amanita muscaria mushroom has hallucinogenic properties. It is also toxic to the human body. So <laughs> the uh, shamanic people of Siberia and uh, Iceland, what they would do is they would feed these mushrooms to reindeer, because the reindeer would eat the mushrooms, filter out the toxic part of the mushrooms, but all the hallucinogenic properties would still come out in the deer's urine. So the people would then drink the deer urine, and uh, it might have just that itself might have been the soma style drink. There might be other ingredients to it. Uh, 
a lot of people are still up in the air and what actually was in Soma. <coughs> but it is reported that those who drank the deer urine after the deers had been fed the Amanita mascara mushroom would see the deer floating above them as if the deer were flying. And that Am- Amanita mascara mushroom with its bright red cap and white warts on the top has that traditional red and white color just like Santa's suit. And we could go into the concept of St. Nicholas or St. Stephen is another one I think they touch upon. No, no, St. Stephen was a a different tradition. But uh, the St. Nicholas part of it. But the Amanita muscaria mushroom with flying through the sky, Odin flying through the sky, hooved creatures flying through the sky, Amanita muscaria, they're all connected. As you know, the Germanic peoples and the Scandinavian and the Norwegian people, they all especially their shamans, partook of that Amanita muscara mushroom. And that is where the one of the main roots for uh, Santa Claus came from. Along with it, it'll give you a whole new idea when you're thinking of reindeers now and having to drink the pee. Yeah. <laughs> it gives a whole new personality uh, to Christmas. <laughs> a whole new reason. <laughs> hey, 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 maybe, yeah. that's why, maybe that's why eggnog was invented. To mask the taste of the reindeer urine. I wonder why eggnog was invented. I, I mean, where that even came from. I don't know, but it's delicious. Look it up. Now that we're on here and we're just talking about Christmas anyway, look it up. Instead of me jumping back into stuff about the hunt, you got enough stuff about that. I mean, because all that I'm really going to go into is a little bit more of where it also came from, like the thundering sound. You know, so they thought thunder and that they connected it also with Thor because of the thunderbolt. And then it's some, because of Jacob Grimm and, and how he did more research on it and deeply and in, in whatnot on it. So I figured, why not? Look it up. Find out about that. Instead of going crazy about all of this, I'm just interested in what you come up with. Uh, the first thing I come up with is just on a brief history of it, that uh, culinary historians debate the exact lineage, but most agree that it is a medieval Britain posset. 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 P-O-S-S-E-T. A hot, milky, ale-like drink. Ale-like. Which well, I've heard of people mixing liquor with it, so. Well, yeah, rum and vodka mm-hmm. and whiskey, but that doesn't have that ale-type yeah. flavor to that it. That just sounds weird to me. Uh, by the 13th century, monks were known to drink a posset with eggs and figs. That's the first thing I've got so far. Eggs and figs. Eggs. Figs are delicious. But eggs with it inside of eggnog? They use eggs to make... I've made eggnog from scratch in the past for Christmas parties. Typically, I made it Yeah, but it's already all mixed up and you've done what you're doing. From scratch. Okay, I'll shut right up. And there's eggs used to make it. Okay. (laughs) So the the name is fitting. You should see his face right now. He's like, I swear to God. (laughs) Yeah, from scratch. What part of that didn't you catch? I'm sorry, but mine was wherever it was. I don't know. Yeah, obviously, it, 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 eggnog comes from a plastic bottle. Why is there? Why would you use eggs? I don't get it. No, I've never made eggnog before, so that's one spot I really, really know nothing about. I'm not the biggest eggnog fan. The last time I had eggnog, I was not thrilled. I. It was like watered down funky junk, and 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 I've just never brought myself to try it, taste it again. Here, <sighs> that is not watered down. That is nice, thick, milky, creamy, eggy goodness. Yeah, it's better than what I don't know what that funk was the last time I had it, but I was like, no, no, no I'm not too interested in trying it because it was it literally was like water. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, to give you a true origin of the uh, history of eggnog, I'm. It's going to take more time than I can. <laughs> I just threw it under the belt. I was like, to go for it. <laughs> yeah, that requires more research time. That's all right. I am not Google. That's all right. Just go ahead. I mean, we only had a few minutes left, so just go on ahead and go into uh, Solar Ham. Uh, you got that much for astrology? Because we're dude. I got plenty for astrology with the shit that's going on. Fair enough. So, so I was like, I'm not too worried about it. Oh, wait. There's one aspect of Yule we have not touched upon. What? The log. The Yule log. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, no, it is this, you know, Yule, Yule, Yule log. 
Not that I have a log. I don't have a log. <laughs> Not in the sense that you think I said I did. Oh, it's the season to be merry. Well, that's my name. No shit. <laughs> I can quote most of that movie from back to front. <laughs> but, of course, you know, the ancient peoples, being a nature-based culture, would take a extremely large log representing the trees and a lot of the nature-based religions worship the trees some of them didn't worship them as much as just revere them mm -hmm. let's face it the drew uh, the druids the respected the oaks and even the uh the ancient romans they believed that the oak tree was a represented a representation of zeus but as far as yule goes they would take a very very large log typically ash or birch bring it in, and they would burn it for 12 hours. And once the 12-hour burn was done, lights out into the darkness and into the meditation as Odin goes upon his hunt, they would take the largest section of that log, and they would keep it to help start the fire for the uh, Yule log of the following year. Mm -hmm. Now, the ashes of the Yule log were kept as well and used as ways to protect the house from storms uh, catastrophes deaths poor harvests and such i remember i've heard that before that the ashes were kept mm -hmm. and in today's society you would look at it more i mean in today's society those who would still do that would keep it and kind of look at it in a witchcrafty way like keeping it in a little bag uh, it doesn't specify in which way it would need to be contained. I mean, plastic bags are the modern-day containers, so I don't see any misrepresentation of that. Now, there is arguments to be said about how the Yule log has transferred into the Christmas tree itself. And <clears throat> while I have issue personally with killing... I've never heard that one. Yeah. The, the Yule log, uh, as you know, Christianity became a... Uh, became more prominent and started spreading across Europe that the tradition of the Yule log, especially in the, the non-Germanic areas, uh, Britain being one of the main areas where the Yule log was more prominently started. It seems to believe, uh, held that that's where the first, uh, Christmas trees came from, but it's believed that that was based from, come from the Yule log instead of the log, you had the tree. Instead of bringing just that large log in, but you'd bring in the living tree and keep that throughout the celebration. And now my own misgivings about killing a tree just to keep it inside the house for three to four weeks. Yeah. I got personal issues with that. But what the the olden people did, olden. <laughs> <laughs> what they would do in olden days, the yesterdays of yore. Was once the uh, celebrations were over, these trees, uh, Christmas trees, Yule, uh, not Yule trees, but the Christmas trees, would be taken outside and burned as any sacred item should be. I can understand. They weren't that. just tossed out or, you know, just thrown into the fireplace. Disregarded. Right. Yeah. And when they would burn them, they would burn them with reverence. So if you, dear listener, would like to do the same thing, don't just start uh, stoke a fire in your backyard, toss a tree up uh, on there and say, ooh, look at a burn. <laughs> no, burn it with reverence. Thank the tree and the spirits for that tree being giving up its essence and its life and its energy be being transformed into something new as you give it back to the universe and release this, the energy from the physical form into another type. As well as you can remember while you have the tree in the house at the time. I mean, think about it. Typically, it's used as pine um, for your Christmas trees. And that has to do everything with spirituality, with spiritual connection in general. So for some of those who really are into that, and like if you're listening to the show, you're one of those people who are into that. You may look at it at that. You may view it from that spiritual essence while it's still there here while it's in the house with you right? as well. So it's not just when you toss it. Right. And also remember, it's not just pine that gets used. It's also you. There's a distinct difference between the two and the uh, energies and the spirits 
that represent the pine versus the yew. And it's all about the needles. The long, thin needles is pine, and the shorter ones is yew. Uh, with that being said, <clears throat> the pine, the long, thin needles that fall off more easily than the ones that are yew that are shorter and much thicker, can be used to make a very tasty tea. Where if you make a tea out of the yew, you're going to make yourself sick. Hmm, I didn't know that. I didn't. All right. It's time for you to jump into your solar ham. All right. Let's go to our solar ham weather. Solar activity is very, very low. We are in a solar minimum, but uh, <coughs> as time progresses, that is going to change. With the peak of the solar maximum, which is about to start hitting in uh, what they believe to be 2024, for the past three days... We have not seen a KP index higher than three. The notes from NOAA. Oh, come here. <laughs> Prepared jointly by the U.S. Department of Commerce, NOAA, the Weather Space Prediction Center, updated on December 12th, 003, uh, 30 hours UTC. Solar activity <laughs> was very low. A new active region was numbered today near NO8317 with NOAA sunspot number 2730. The region remained simply uh, simple, magnetically unremarkable, and inactive. No Earth-directed CMEs were observed in available satellite imagery. That being added upon, <clears throat> the current coronal hole stream failed to generate a geomagnet... Oh, but that was on the fourth. I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> and as our most updated one, the anticipated coronal hole stream is now moving past Earth near 600 kilometers per second. The isolated periods of enhanced geomag uh, geomagnetic activity will be possible at higher latitudes. Sky watchers should be alert for vis visible auroras once it's dark outside. KP indices of 4 represents if you're in the Arctic Circle and slightly below, you're going to be seeing some auroras. Anything southern that, you're not going to see anything. Yeah, but uh, on the 5th, I'm don't... I, don't think we've touched on this the last time. We and this is pretty interesting, considering the fact that we are in a solar minimum. We've had something extremely rare happen. What? A new sunspot that has occurred during a solar minimum. Region uh, twenty-seven twenty-nine. A member of a weakening solar cycle twenty-four formed fairly quickly in the southwest quadrant, and is currently producing very minor B-class solar flares. Although noteworthy solar flares are not expected, the sunspot should be monit uh, monitored during the next 24 hours, which it did not produce anything for us to be worried about. That was a spirit. Okay, I was going to say, you're blowing kisses at the amplifier? No, that is what I was letting it get. I was saying hi. You're not going to see it sitting on the table. <laughs> you pointed at the amplifier. It's because I, I pointed at it. It's just the amplifier goes straight. But anyway, you don't need you don't you don't see it, so it don't matter. Um. All right. So with that being said, let me jump into the astrology. Um. Before I get into this week, like I said, this week's gonna be more or less what I had wrote down for astrology was from December 10th through the 18th. However, I'm jumping a couple months ahead. Right off the bat, um, you're gonna be sitting in stagnant energy for a while. And I am being told by spirit right off the bat, get right out of your head, point blank, get out of your head. Um, don't be in your head in bad ways and don't be self-sabotaging yourself, especially over the next, you know, couple weeks. The reason why I say that is, is this energy is going to continue to grow and is going to continue to be stagnant as you're working through some energies because we're coming into... And the energy is going to continue to grow right up until the eclipse next month. There will be an eclipse next month, and that's when it will start to take its shifting in energy. Until then, the energy is going to continue to grow. This has everything to do with Chiron also just coming out of retrograde, as well as Mercury coming out of retrograde. However, like you've heard me saying for a while, that it's we're, we've been digging up, you know, old baggage. More or less, dust settles, are you? Or not point point blank is what you're coming into right now. You've got you're you're digging. We're we've been digging up all kinds of baggage, lifetimes of baggage. And for those who are who um 
are within 30 and 40 years old, you may have been, or older, I should actually say, you're probably starting to notice things from approximately 30 years that are coming back and starting to, you know, re-creep its way back up into your life, or especially from 1986 to 1982 or those two years directly. But with that being said, like I said, Chiron is the wounded healer. He's in the Universal 12th house. He's been there for a really freaking long time. Put it that way. When he comes out of retrograde which he has but when he comes out of the universal 12th house in february and i will tell you for you sensitives you're going to start to be feeling this energy a whole lot more especially right up until february the 18th on the 18th when february when when chiron actually moves into um Aries and starts that new cycle. I promise you're going to feel it if you're a very sensitive person. You've got also the energies of Uranus. It's the only planet that's still in retrograde at the moment. Uranus is your independence, your individuality, your uniqueness, your freedom. It's speaking to you back in Aries right now about your core, about who and what you are. It's still in retrograde, and it will be in retrograde until January 6th. Then it will move back into Taurus again in March. This is when the cycles really are going to start to take their jump forward. But you're going to really feel the energy building and all the skeletons coming out of the closet with your old past baggages as well as past life baggage that you don't even completely maybe understand that is coming back up because these are situations that have to heal before the new cycle starts. This is why I'm telling you this right now because, like I said, you are going to be sitting in stagnant energy those for, for at least a month, more or less. These, like your, like your skeletons are coming up and you have to face them. It's facing your fears. It's overcoming stuff, stepping out of your uncomfortable zone and stepping forward so you can start to create a new cycle. And all of this is going to be starting to take place. What you're doing right now, what you're feeling right now, all these energies that are coming up. If people are irritated, extra more than regular, they're just, you know, frustrated. And it's not just because of the Christmas season. It has to do with the astrology and what's going on. And it's, like I said, that energy is going to continue to build until the eclipse next month. And then when those other two take their shift is when everything will really start to move forward. So you may feel like you're moving nowhere. You may feel like you're just standing in the same spot. And that's because you're going through an evaluation period. And this is why I jumped ahead a little bit because I wanted to make sure that you comprehended that. This is like an evaluation period. You're reviewing things so that you can... Make sure you're not starting this cycle again. The idea is to move forward and start a brand new cycle. Excuse me. Like I said, it's a lot of stagnant energy of things that are being cleansed and coming up out of you from your past or past lives. Situations that you're learning. You're learning stuff about yourself that you never realized that you really were or or. or things that you allowed or 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 the just all kinds of different situations about yourself you're learning some intimate details about who you are and this all has to do with cleaning out who and what you are from all that funky junk because we're stepping into a whole new level when we come into 2019 when you drop that down it comes to a 2003 it, it comes down not 2000 it comes down to a 3 year which is speaking to us of divine creativity and finding our divine purpose and and creative expression so all of this is really truly coming down to learning you we've we've heard people who are who are white lighters or you know light workers or you know anybody who's into the spiritual stuff pretty much knows you know the ego the soul all that good stuff and you want to learn how to stand into your power you're learning how to stand up for who you are stand in your authentic self but you're learning right now what part of your authentic self isn't living up to what it really truly is you're learning that the that that fire of who and what you really truly are you're starting to see those those mistakes that have been keeping you from really stepping into your fire and this i'm explaining this to you now because this is what's going to be happening over the next month and to 
next month to next three months. These are these energies that you're going to be starting to discover about yourself, which is helping you truly figure out who and what you are so that you can actually move forward in a more positive way and not do that cycle again. With that being said, I am going right back to where I did last week and I'm giving you the astrology like I normally do, but I'm giving you where I was told by Spirit to start off with going back into the constellations. This is part of what I was talking about when you heard me saying earlier that I was having conversations with Spirit. Um, because they've been getting on me about there's things in the astrology that I hadn't been using, such as the constellations, because I wasn't viewing it from an astrology point of view, and I'm being told I need to start doing so. So you're going to hear me doing that more with constellations, along with all of the other planets and so forth. Dragon in the constellations, or which is considered Draco, he has two special key points. They are considered gateways. Basically, they are considered gateways into the higher dimensions and they are helping you comprehend the truths so that you can take that information you learn from those higher dimensions, like third, I mean, like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh dimensions. If you do step into those dimensions, bring it back to the reality of the third dimension and be able to actually create in a more healthier way. With that being said, the key points are first off, Kokub from the Dragon Constellation. It is in Leo. It is the fifth house. It is um, considered to be like a sun energy. It is considered the orange giant. It is considered to be more powerful than the illumination of the sun energy, but it is also coming with an orange energy with it, which means it's an actual creative illumination. It's not just illuminating what you already know. It's dealing with the core and creating a higher illumination. It is highly powerful. It is, sits on the tail of the dragon in the constellations of Leo, and... um. It itself is considered the main gateway. It is in opposition of Vista, which is in Aquarius. Now, hear me out. Vista is your soul fire, which is having a conversation with the illumination of your creation within the ideas of the house universally of what you find as pleasure. So where is your life not getting the pleasure it needs? It is fighting your soul fire with it, within it in Aquarius as to what outwardly you already think your soul fire desires. There's a difference here. What you actually have already been acting upon, what you thought your soul was all about, what your soul has been desiring and wishing to express outwardly to the community, to your friends, your hopes, your goals, your dreams, all of this outwardly is not getting along with what Kokub and the dragon and Leo is speaking to you about. It is speaking to you about what it is that helps you find and desire life in a pleasurable place. This is your higher self fighting that soul fire. So it's your inner soul fire versus your outer soul fire. It's your mature soul fire versus your immature soul fire. Spirit always constantly is talking. When they're speaking to me, they're constantly reminding me we're still children. So your outer soul fire of Vista in Aquarius has that rubble within energy and is wanting to continue to do what it has always thought your soul fire was. But your energy coming out of Leo is speaking about the pleasure that you are not receiving. What it is that you are not finding pleasurable in life. And it's helping you to understand where and why you're not getting pleasure out of it and what you need to do to make these corrections is in opposition because it is not comfortable they are not getting along you need to pay attention to what your 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 higher self your your gut feeling your your intuition is telling you at this time because that's a very key point about setting you into the proper direction at helping you build from the inside out what your true desire is without lying to yourself about shit that you always thought was what you wanted and you're finding out you're wrong. 
Now, with that being said, you have the same kind of conversation going on with, like I said, Kokub is squaring Cirrus and Venus. Venus is oversensitive in Scorpio, so now we're talking about what the relationships that you have in your life are responsible for and the karmic energy there. It's going to be speaking to you about, you know, your com your karmic baggage from past lives as well as just like the last 30 years. Things that haven't gone quite right for you within your relationships. It's bringing up situations in your memories about why these things haven't panned out quite right. Where the karma didn't turn out to be a good thing for you. Your sensitivities are going to be pointing out those energies of why shit hurt you, more or less. That's what those what the square energy is. And Cirrus is going to be pointing out where it is you weren't properly nourished right. Were you not nurtured right? You know, within the relationship as well as the responsibilities of the rela relationship. This could be from parenting situations to how you parent. This could be from, you know, your spouse. It could be just any kind of, where, where were you in your life and the relationships that you were dealing with that you were realizing the karmic memories are coming back and pointing out where you were uncomfortable, where it was that you did not feel that you were treated well. You know, these are all things that Cirrus is trying to talk to you about and is going to be showing you those hurtful things at this moment because it's trying to move you forward by making you learn through these mistakes. However, Cocob's getting along just fine with Jupiter. Jupiter, of course, is in the higher house. It's in Sagittarius, where the wildfire of your soul actually is. It is the big daddy of the Zodiac. It, it's, it's like the father figure. He, he has all the higher knowledge. He has the abundance and the growth there in Sagittarius, speaking to you of your soul, higher self and what it is that you soulfully want. So he's getting along great with that illumination and helping you bring and create it new because he's, he's been trying to show you, you know, what it is you're slacking on, what it is that you're not honest with yourself about not stepping into the new so that you can create. So he's getting along great with them trying to make sure that those other areas are being pushed in your face. Palace is getting along great with Co-Cub as well. It's in a sextile. It gives you perfect opportunities for new ways to strategize these things and make changes. This all has to do with learning to come into a deeper idea of standing in your soul power and truly a deeper depth of what your soul power is. Now, you also have um, the Polaris star is in Gemini, and it is in opposition with the sun. Now, the Polaris star, for one, is often viewed as, anymore, it's often viewed as the idea of the North Star. So it has to do with death and rebeginning, hope. Basically, and it comes with the energy of both Sun, Venus, and uh, what is it? And 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 um, Saturn. So we're talking about rules, walls, boundaries, illumination within those rules, walls, and boundaries, and uh, and Venus's sensitivity speaking to your actual core, your core, which is in Sagittarius with Jupiter. These two are not getting along because you're core of what you place outwardly to the world of who and what you think you are versus what the Polaris star is telling you who and what you can be is fighting the sun. It's trying to help you jump above your own ego that you don't realize is ego and help you rise. However, it's also squaring Chiron. So it's not getting along with Chiron because it's Honestly, it's it's stuff you don't want to hear about yourself, but you have to hear it. It's those skeletons, like I said, that are coming out of the closet. Now, when I look at the regular astrology, you've had a normal trine that's been going on for quite some time. It's been Chiron, the North Node, in Cancer, and Mercury. However, this has been taking a major shift because, like I said, Chiron just went direct. So did Mercury, just went direct. So this energy of the wounded healer, the gatekeeper of wholeness, the North Node in Cancer talking to you about your karmic debts, as well as Mercury and communication speaking with Sagittarius in 
as it's moving into Sagittarius and coming out of Scorpio, it's taking those relationships which you're responsible for and looking at who you are and the situation has changed. You've only been evaluating inwardly for the last couple of weeks. Now everything is starting to evaluate, evaluate outwardly. Don't forget, Mercury and Chiron are both still in shadow. So truthfully, they're really only looking at the darker aspects. So the, the whole point of this whole situation is it, it's learning to come into yourself at a higher self than you thought you were possible, capable of. You're starting to learn your power is more powerful than you ever thought you were, but you have to stand in it. You have to start to stand in your own power, and you have to deal with your own fears, your own shadows, your own mirroring in order to move forward. And if you can do that, and you can be honest with yourself, then you'll start to actually get on the right track of where you're supposed to be going in the next couple of months. I love you all, but it's that time of the night, so we've got to go. Bye. Bye. May all your journeys be safe ones. Come now, my darling. And step back in time with me for a spell. Back to when the wild things, they were not for sale. And what was sacred.